Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. These, uh, these two are, are honestly like uh, another set of spiritual parents for me. And, um, you know, I, I honestly meant it, but I was texting them Sunday just saying, uh, you know, there are two people that I feel like I could talk to about anything, but have also spoken so much into my life. Times where I realized I needed it and times where I didn't realize I needed to hear something. But they've both uh, had such an impact on myself and, and my marriage. And uh, I'm just so, so thankful for them. I know a lot of people in this room um, you've been uh, touched or affected by one of them or both of them at uh, a time or two. And if you don't know them, you need to get to know them. They're going to be in the back uh, tonight after service, and, and they're going to be available with our prayer team to pray with anybody, encourage anyone, just talk with people. Um, but this is a couple that you need to get to know if you don't know them. For couples that, that do know you guys, um, this might be mind-blowing, but neither one of them grew up in a Christian home. Neither one of them had a godly marriage to look to and to know and understand what a godly, healthy marriage looks like, which is mind-blowing for 99% of us in here because we look at your, your marriage as such a model. And so I want to ask you guys, before we dive into anything else, how were you able to develop a healthy, godly marriage when neither one of you had that example growing up? Um, you know, I just, I'm thinking of the worship just two minutes ago, how, um, you know, the, the, the goodness of God chases after us. And I was just feeling so much gratitude to the Lord because he is no respecter of persons. And I'm so very grateful, Scott and I, because as Scott said, um, we did not come from godly homes. We've came from homes with parents who loved us, um, but struggled because they didn't have Christ at the center. And so both of our parents ended in divorce. There was alcoholism. And so when Scott and I came together in marriage, I think one of the things that we were super intentional about was we made a decision that divorce would never be an option. And um, you know that was because we both grew up under divorce. We, we knew what the impact was on, on us as children, and we didn't want that for our kids. We, we saw the impact it had on our parents. And so very early on, maybe even while we were engaged, we discussed that divorce would not be anything that we would threaten each other with or, you know, it would never be hanging out there, um, even in, you know, our worst struggles, um, which we had plenty of those. And then I would say um, that the second thing was we made a decision that we were going to have the best possible marriage that we could have. Um, and we you know, we made a decision no matter what that cost, that was going to be a goal of ours. She's really big leagues, isn't she? <laughs> I'm going to move my seat so this group can see you. <laughs> she's smart. She's kind. <laughs> she is. She's gorgeous. <laughs> and honestly, there are sometimes I, I need oxygen. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. She was asked to speak at the high school graduation as the parent. That's pretty big stuff. Chris White, you were there, you know. That was unbelievable. That's when I almost fainted. <laughs> But in any event, the first thing I, I want to do is I just want to clarify a couple of things because we spoke Sunday 
And um, after Sunday, you know how adult children are, are really great at um, being critical. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's as if they didn't hear anything else, but this is the first thing. And this is from my son Daniel, who's our third. Um, and I had, I had talked about uh, something that happened when Lindsay and Ben were young and about my anger, which I'll get into in a, a few minutes. So the first thing Dan said was, you know, you weren't totally cured by the time you had me, Dad. <laughs> and I said that not all anger is bad, Dan. <laughs> and then the next thing they came at me with was, you know, you were talking about mom being in a group called Overcomers, and I was talking about early on my wife went to an Overcomers meeting, and I said it was a meeting for people with addictions and stuff like that. Well, this is what they hit me with on that one. Um, you know, mom didn't have any addictions. You made her sound like she had addictions or something, Dad. And in response, my wife said, I don't care. And then I was corrected that she was going to ACOA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics. All right, so I think I did the, I think I clarified everything, right? I did the retraction. We're good to go. Stuff. We'll make I'll note, make put that in the notes. Yeah, because you see, I have to go home to this, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you're up here on the stage, but I go home and it's got to be right. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's done. Now, what am I supposed to answer? So, <laughs> it doesn't even matter at this point, <laughs> honestly. Um, okay, I get it. Okay, that I, I get it. Well, I'm bit, uh, step to godly marriage, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not getting distracted, right? Well, the, the bottom line is like when, when, when my wife and I first got married, you know, we were in a small church, um, i.e., Lamb's Chapel, 100 years ago. And, um, you know, if you want to have a good marriage, sometimes you have to look outside, you know, the walls of your church. You have to look at conferences. You have to look at, you know, different, different things that are out there in, in the world, in the Christian world, that offer, you know, help and offer guidance where a marriage can really grow. And um, I tried to tell the group on Sunday that I was the proponent of that. Um, and nobody believed it, which was true. Um, but what we did was, Kyle had actually um, kind of pushed going to these marriage conferences, sort of like the one we had at our church two weeks ago with the Mercurios. But I was very resistant, you know, as a, as a young married man because I had, I had the view, um, which is if, if it's not broken, why fix it? We're not fighting. Why do we need a marriage conference? Why do we need why do we need to talk? We get along. Well, I was wrong about that. Um, marriage is a project. It could be a fun project, but marriage is something that doesn't go by itself. Yeah. Marriage is something that has to has to grow. Yeah. And, it's, and marriage is something, we work on everything else, we work on our careers, we work on our houses, we work on our yards, we work on our boats, but we don't think to work on our marriages. And um, we, uh, we did that from an early age. So that was, that was a big deal where we took it seriously, 
you know we took it seriously not relying on not relying on what attracted us together when we first met and things like that I thought something awesome that you mentioned on Sunday, too, was, um, you know, not having a godly couple to look up to. Once they were involved in a local church, they located some couples in that community to say, you know what, they have a good marriage and we need to glean from them. And, you know, I think something that is uh, it's so important for everyone to understand, you know, a lot of times people will look for a mentor and they think that a mentor has to has to be somebody that they're talking to every single day. And there has to be this formal ceremony where you are knighted a mentee or meant that doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and in all reality, you know, if you want your marriage to grow, if you're not even in a marriage or a relationship, but you just want to grow in God, you know, there's so much that you can glean from afar. There's so many things that if you're just intentional to say, you know what, I have so much respect for that couple right there. I have so much respect for that person right there. You know what, let me just take note of the way that they treat other people. Let me take note of the way that they, they treat their spouse. Let me take note of the way that they talk to their kids. Let me take note of the way that they worship. Let me take note of the way that they get involved and do things around the church and the way that they're always helping with something, the way that they're always helping. There's so many things that you can glean and grow from just by, by being intentional about watching and looking and learning from people. And I know that you said in your marriage there was such an impact made from just finding other couples that would pour into you, but also couples that you could just watch from afar. Um, or you want to add something? You're not going to say it, are you? <laughs> I, I Honestly, I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> I'm scared now. Did you open the door for faith this week? Of course. I don't even know if faith is here, so sure. She's not ahead, no. Absolutely. Oh, she's right there. I'm sure I did. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. I love this young I'm not man. Chris White. I opened the door for my... Oh. I'm just playing. Chris is the man. Chris opens the door now. He does open the door now. Do you, know, do you notice how he slid that? <laughs> he slid that? No, no. Deflection. Yes. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Hey, no. moving actually, right along. Let, Question let, number let me, two. Let me just... Actually, truth be told, truth be told, and, 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 and being honest here, I looked, because I didn't have many role models... But I looked around and I saw the older guys, the older men at the church, and I just watched the way they treated, um, you know, their wives. And I'm going to first say that I know that when I was a young man, I loved Colleen from when I married her, you know. And yes, like all of you guys out there, I would have jumped off a building for her. You know, so I'm not question. No, and I'm not questioning you guys either. You know, I know you jump off buildings for your wives. You know, I I, I mean that. But one of the things that that hit me um, was I noticed the way that the people were treated on a daily basis. And one of the things, believe it or not, and I mentioned it on on Sunday, was opening the car door for Kyle. You know. And I just, I saw, I, I did that because I saw a man that I respected um, do that. And, and I just started doing it. And one of the things that hit me during worship just right now, today, was treating the one you love, and underline the word treating, treating the one you love like you love her. That's pretty doggone good. <laughs> that happened just now. That is. That's but not getting. That's the, 
No, but the bottom line is that's what they were doing. They were, you see, I love my wife. You guys love your wives. You guys love your husbands. There's no doubt about that. But treating the one you love like you love her. And that's what they were doing. And I, I just started doing it. And by the way, a young lady came up to me and said that there was doors opening for her this week. And she was pretty, pretty happy. That's all. That's all. Faith, I told you to keep it a secret. You didn't need to go and tell them. Um, second thing I wanted to ask real quick. Unbelievable. <laughs> we just need to turn his mic off, Colleen. Um, I didn't even get to the dancing yet. <laughs> not, uh, not having a godly marriage up close and personal to see. I know that there are some things that are integral to a godly marriage that can be difficult to accept. Uh, one of which is this, this topic of honor and submission between um, a man and a wife. And so I wanted to kind of get your opinion on that. Was that a difficult thing to accept? Did that come naturally? No, definitely not. Honor and submission did not come naturally. And, you know, my husband is speaking so highly of me, um, which I so I'm so appreciative of. But the truth of the matter is, early on in my marriage, I was not, um, I was a very opinionated, strong-willed young woman. And part of the reason for that was um, I was the oldest in a family of three children. My dad was an alcoholic. My parents were divorced or separated when I was about 17. And I had the mentality walking into my marriage that I was not going to be treated badly and I was no man was going to tell me what to do, to be perfectly honest with you. I was a brat, brat of all brats. I thought I knew it all. And I thought, to be perfectly honest, that my husband didn't know as much as me. Really, what that was, you know, was a coping mechanism because when you're in an alcoholic home, and P.S., my husband was also from an alcoholic home, oldest child, oldest child, both of us strong-willed, both of us opinionated, both of us driven personalities. And when we were on the same page and we both came to Christ, the work began. began. Yeah, we, we were excited to be on the same page, but boy, the Holy Spirit started to do his work his revelation, he started to uncover things. And how many of us know that marriage will expose those things that are deep in our heart that we need to die to? And so that is really what began to happen in my heart and in my mind. And my life scripture is, you know, Romans 12, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the Holy Spirit began to renew my mind. He began to teach me to not speak. He began to teach me that to trust my husband because this was the man that God gave me. He began to teach me that when I submitted and yielded to my husband's opinion, which he also showed me he knew way more than I gave him credit for, and I knew way less than I gave myself credit for, I began to trust God when I trusted my husband. And there was this beautiful thing that began to happen because as I began to not speak, it opened the door for the Holy Spirit to speak to my husband. He wasn't hearing my voice and my opinion all the time. There was this quietness that started to develop between the two of us where he began to hear the Holy Spirit. And so there was such a unity that began, that grew in our marriage. And I mean, I was, honestly, I was a feminist. And not that feminism is necessarily bad, but when a woman thinks she knows more than a man simply because she's a woman, that's a big problem. And God set up marriage in such a way that there's safety in the submission. And 
Um, we wanted to read from the message version of Ephesians 5, and I highly encourage couples to read Ephesians 5 um, in the message version because it is so beautiful. And these, these were things that Scott and I, this did not come naturally to us. Um, the, the godly role of a husband, the godly role of a wife, this was something that we really had to learn. Um, and so I'm going to read the first part for wives, and Scott will read the second part for husbands. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another, or submissive one to another. Wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving. Sorry about that. I messed up the thing here. Not getting. Hold on. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, man. I just had it. Dazzling silk? I don't think we're there. Okay. It does say that. Um, okay. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is, is designed to bring out the best of her. Dressing her, yeah, it's in this, in dazzling white silk radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already, quote, one, unquote, in marriage. And again, you know, a love marked by giving and not getting, like that was something that we really had to learn. Our nature was, you know, if, if, if you're making me happy, I'm good. If I'm making your ha you happy, you're good. And once our marriage was under Christ and the Holy Spirit was in me, the Holy Spirit was in Scott, that was when we began to grow. And, you know, the other thing, and, and you in faith touched upon this last week about, you know, how do we speak in front of others to each other? And we had um, a, a thing called sarcasm. Both Scott and I grew up with sarcasm. You know, when I looked up the word sarcasm in the Greek, it means the tearing of flesh. Wow. I was like, wow, that is something. And so the, because I grew up with sarcasm, which is kind of making light of things, making fun of someone at their expense, kind of like not wanting to really get to the truth of a matter, but speaking about the truth in a way that's humorous, but really you're trying to make a point. We started to recognize in each other that that's what we were doing. And so, you know, as I was learning trust with submission, with honor, I was learning to speak life. That's what the Lord began to show me, that I needed to speak life over my husband. I need to declare both publicly and privately that my husband is a man of God, that he is a man that I love, that he is a man that is um, an, a godly example for his sons and for his daughters. And there were times even early on in our marriage that maybe I didn't always feel that way or Scott didn't always feel that I was a godly wife. But, you know, the Bible says, speak those things which are not as though they are. And so when we declare, my husband is a godly man in public, 
there is something that is going out in the heavenlies that is kind of saying, like when Scott would say, and when he says now in front of all you, my wife is awesome or whatever, that makes me want to be awesome, right? When we speak life publicly over our spouse, it makes them so full of joy. And when they know that we respect them, especially women, our husbands need respect. That's one of their greatest needs. When I learned that, I I had to become intentional because, again, it wasn't something that came naturally. I had to learn it. I began to do that, to speak life over my husband, to show him the respect that he so desperately needed. And, uh, you know, so those were the things, you know, honor, learning to speak life, and submission, learning to trust the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, those things are easy to talk about until you're married. And then you have to face those things. You know, those are things that I never thought would be difficult until you get married and then you have to walk those things out. You know, it's so funny. People will say, yeah, I'm all for submission until you disagree with somebody. And it's like, well, were you really submitting if you just agreed up until that point? But submission comes into play when there's a disagreement. And, you know, I, I know that it, in a room like this, there's probably some people that even when we're talking about honor and submission, you're already thinking of the excuses of why it doesn't apply to you or to your relationship. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, I think it's understood that we're all called to submit to God. So um, aside from the wife submitting to her husband and the husband also submission being a two-way street, there's such a responsibility on the husband to be the spiritual leader of his home and to first and foremost submit to Christ. And so that is a huge part of it, absolutely huge part of it. Um, But, you know, even if you're here and maybe your husband isn't saved, you know, the Bible doesn't say only submit to your husband if he's saved. There are plenty of ways where you can still submit to your husband and you can fulfill your role as a godly wife, even if your husband isn't leading in a godly way. First and foremost, submitting to God supersedes anything. But there are plenty of ways. There are plenty of things that get, well, I'm not going to submit in any way if they're not pursuing God. Well, then you're wrong. And so, you know, Christ has called you as a wife to, ro- to walk out your biblical role. On the other side of the street, there's plenty of guys that feel like they don't need to cherish, love, and respect their wife because they don't feel like their wife submits to them and and, and plays the godly role that she's supposed to play. Well, guys, if Jesus waited to love you until you submitted to him, it would never be there. And the way that Jesus loves the church is that he chose you before you ever chose him. He chose you before you had the capability of choosing him. He chose you even knowing that there were plenty of us that would never choose him back, and he still chose to love us unconditionally. So any guy in here who thinks that you can't cherish, speak life to, or love your wife the way that you're called to because she's not submitting to you, you're in the wrong. Scott, I want to ask you uh, real quick, what, were there any issues that come to mind that, that were a struggle for you to, to work through? Maybe things that you didn't even realize were there, but begin to to show themselves once you got married yeah now is when i dropped the bomb right (laughs) um basically what what you just saw was colleen painting a picture of two um two alphas coming together in marriage and um it was it was it was really something <laughs> you know it was really something um and um um i i love what what Carl said you know because she lived it um and there's there's one issue like from the get go and um Scott and Faith hit it during during their talk a week ago and it was the um the the subject of you know love and respect and how men need respect mm. and um 
you know, part of it, I was like, man, they, he stole my thunder, you know? But the bottom line was they, t they talked about, which Colleen and I totally went through as well, which is a husband needing respect from his wife. Mm. And um, uh, I think everybody can identify with Scott and I where we felt funny or even insecure asking for it or wanting it. Because basically the way we grew up is, you're a man, and I, I grew up, I was like, you know, I'm a man, I don't need, I'm not gonna, I don't need anybody's respect. I got, I got respect in here. And I don't need my wife to respect me. Like, I want it, but you, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I never would want to admit to that kind of vulnerability where I would need the woman um, that I love to respect me because it almost makes you feel a little funny. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? And, and you and Faith were, were kind of outlining in that and that's a truth mm -hmm. that applies to all men until they can finally sit down and say, you know, darn it, I, I, want, I need my wife to respect me. You know what I mean? Um, and, and to be vulner vulnerable enough to say, you know what you said just hurt me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, sometimes it takes a while to get to that place, but I think it's just an important, th that's what marriage is about. It's not like you need the respect of the world, but if you're gonna get married, you need the respect of your spouse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's good for women to hear that, and it's good for men to hear that. But then there's another side to submission, which has to do with our submission. Um, and one of the things that marriage is, marriage is not just for happiness, it's also for holiness. Holiness, not that you just read about, but holiness that's applied to your life with your own life circumstances. So um, I'm going to welcome you to Holiness 101 for Scott. Here's Holiness 101. Um, when Carl touched on, like, when we didn't come from, from saved homes. And um, so, so when we, basically the way I grew up, I grew up in an alcoholic home. And there was, there was um, it was like walking on eggshells. There was a lot of fear, there was a lot of fighting. Um, there was divorce and then um, eventually there was suicide. Um, my mom had taken her own life when I was uh, a teenager. Um, and from there though, it was the summer of my senior year in high school and my parents were not together. My father um, was, uh, actually came and took care of my little sister and I went to college and we never had a discussion about it. Um, and I remember growing up um, where most of my childhood 
was more or less you kind of you get in a survival mode you know you could either fall apart and I'm not saying that's necessarily bad anymore or you could uh, build walls and what I what I chose to do what I did for survival was I basically said to myself I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here and this life is not going to be my life is not going to be this and I'm not going to feel these things and I'm not going to feel sadness either I'm just going to be and I became an overachiever a good student and everything was toward becoming a lawyer getting out and that and one of the things um, that I closed off was, I don't know if uh, anybody saw the movie Inside Out. You know Inside Out? Come on, somebody out there, did anybody say Inside Out? <laughs> well, the, it, had, it had the inside of someone and it had like the feel, you know, all the emotions, anger, joy, laughter, whatever, and sadness. And what they endeavored to do with it, they, they all said, you know what? Sadness is kind of a drag. And she was a little blue figure, you know. And they said, let's, let's um, get rid of sadness. Let's banish her and let's close her off. And then you saw what happened in the movie. Well, I did that. I really did that. I didn't even cry when my mom died. And I thought that I'm gonna make it now. This is good, you know. This is a way to live. But what you don't realize is when you're a child, that stuff goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. It goes somewhere. And my wife had an expression which I, I hated. Was, it's coming out sideways. Stuff comes out sideways. And what I did was I had a deeply embedded anger that only came out once in a while. And very few people saw it. And when I got to know Colleen, this is a, this is a wonderful thing about marriage is you can fool society, you can fool your job, your career, you can even fool your church, because I was even an elder at the time. But you can't fool your spouse. And she would say to me, um, you know, you need to talk to somebody, Scott. You need to be able to cry. You need, and she basically was trying to do what a good wife does. She was trying to get in. And I was not going to let anybody in. And I wasn't even letting God in that. My view was, I'm saved. I got saved while I was in law school. Colleen got saved a couple of years later. I was living for God. Had a great, you know, good career going. We're married. We got a new house. We got a new family. Lindsay's a toddler. Ben's a baby. Almost good. But in any event. Sarcasm. That was sarcasm. <laughs> right, he's upstairs though, right? And he doesn't really listen. <laughs> so I bet you anything he's not watching. And if you're watching up there, don't tell him. 
but it is. But no, I'm only kidding. He was a colicky baby. Wow. But in any event. <laughs> but in any. But in any event. Um, I know. I know. But but in any event. Um, so I basically said, I'm saved. I know the Lord. Any issues, God and I are going to work out. God's going to work it out in me. And that's, a, that's what men do. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the problem was God was not allowing me to go that route. He wanted me to talk about, to talk stuff out with people who were living and breathing. So then what happened was, was um, I was working in, I had a, I had a office, I made a little office in my basement, and I was working one Saturday morning, and we were about married for about, I don't know, about eight years or so. And I hear Lindsay, who was always an active kid, I hear her come down the stairs, and all of a sudden she fell. And she tumbled, boom, 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 down the stairs. And I, there was a cement wall right at the bottom of the stairs. So I flew out of my seat, I ran, and I didn't get there in time. She had already hit the wall. And I, I'll never forget, I, I picked her up, and, and I just held her in my arms, and I walked in the other room of the basement, and thankfully she started to cry. So, all right, she's okay. And then all of a sudden, I felt this, now don't look at me like I'm crazy, all right? But I, I felt this rage, like just this rage at her, at my, my daughter. I, 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 I forgot to tell you that I was an overprotective father, where I was a crazy overprotective father, where when Lindsay was born, this is a true story, I made everybody in the hospital wear masks when they came to see her, everybody. Brother-in-law, my sister, par- you know, her parents and all that, and they would come in and say, oh, can I hold the baby? I'd say, yeah, just gotta put a mask on. Uh-huh. And they'd go like, no, you gotta put a mask on. And I had the masks. And a nurse would go by, and they would see everybody in the room. There'd be 12 people in the room, and they all have masks on. And I didn't see anything wrong with that at all. So that's the father that I was. And when she fell, you know, I was shaking with rage and I knew something was wrong. So I walked up the stairs, I handed her to Carl, I walked outside, still shaking, because that, what was in me, was what was in the house that I grew up in. And I was, and it scared the daylights out of me that I might not be able to keep it out of my new house. So I walked into Colleen and I said, I give up. Well, I didn't say I give up. You never say that. But I said, (laughs) I said, um, all right, I'm going to counseling. Now, I'm not saying that everybody need counts, needs counseling. Don't, I'm not that guy, but I want to tell you that I did. And I went to a Christian counselor, a man. And what I loved about it is there's a beginning, a middle, and the end. Mm-hmm. And 
basically, I, I remember the first session, I told him everything. Because keep in mind, my teenage years, I acted out what I went through as a, as a child, and there was tons of sin, tons of stuff. And I remember, I remember just, I confessed everything to him. I just told it all. There was such a deep shame in me for all, for the, for the things I did, you know? Um, both drinking, uh, sexual sin, you name it. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget there were some things where I'd never spoken and I actually I even I couldn't look at him. I had to go like this. He was sitting over there, and I said it. I said the things, and I I couldn't believe it. And I was like, "There's no way that this guy's going to be able to stomach this one, these." And then I'll never forget. I couldn't even look at him. And then I even said, looking at the wall, I said, "Do you believe that?" And then what I heard was, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't fall over. And that was probably the greatest healing thing that I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we worked from there. And then basically, I, you know, the reason I went into the rage is because I was scared. And I was scared because she might be hurt. And I was overprotective. And I wanted to, I wanted to protect my world but I couldn't. I had to trust God. And that was the beginning. So the person though, Holiness 101, the person who was pushing into that and pulling me out of that was Colleen. It's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Colleen, I want to ask you a question really quick. Um, even um, being incredible parents who I've personally seen um, just be amazing examples of godliness, um, life is not easy for anybody. No family is perfect. Every family walks through difficult times and through struggles. And even being incredibly godly parents, not everything has gone easy for you guys. How um, in times of difficulty... Have you guys been able to draw closer together as a couple as opposed to growing further apart? Um, I would say, you know, one thing that I really believe with all my heart is that every family is dysfunctional. It's just a matter of degree because we live in a fallen world. And so, you know, we all do the best that we can. Um, And as Christian parents, you know, we, we, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's older, he will not depart from it. And so our family has been through lots of different kinds of struggles, you know, whether it be financial. Um, as we've been sharing early on, like those first five to eight years of our marriage were a lot of working out of these things, you know, between in our own personalities and how we came together um, in our marriage. Um, as you raise your children, you know, there's no formula. You know, being um, um, a first-generational Christians, you know, I think we were a little bit under this false belief that when you pour the word of God into your children, well, then it just flows naturally. But you know what? Our children, they are entitled to their own journey. And so between things that have happened in the life of our family, um, emotional, spiritual, physical, we have learned 
because of the foundation that was laid early on, how to respond to these unexpected events in unity. And if that foundation hadn't been laid early on, I think that the tendency would have been when something, maybe a crisis comes up, to blame one another. You know, it's, it's when there's some kind of upsetting thing that happens, the first thing you want to do is point the finger. We never want to look at ourselves. And so I think that um, when things have come up that are unexpected, we, the first thing that I think that we did and that we try to do is take ownership for our, our part in it. You know, what did we do wrong in, the, in that process? I remember facing a financial crisis at one point, and instead of Scott saying, you know, you didn't, you spent this, or I said, well, you didn't invest here, or whatever, which those thoughts were in both of our minds, it was like, okay, what part did we do wrong together? Let's take ownership and then look at this. Then in the life of our family, with our children, as parents, you know, rather than t blaming each other, like if you had only said this, or you had only done this, no, we took a step back and said, you know what? Are there things that we may need to apologize? I mean, Scott and I have both sat with different ones of our children at different times and said, I am sorry because you know what? I did this wrong. Um, but on the other hand, when something happens, we are very quick to have a team mentality so that if I see Scott going into some type of condemnation, oh man, I can't believe I did this. This is all my fault. What I'm trying to do is get behind him and say, no, you know what? There is therefore now no condemnation. We are in Christ Jesus. You are a great provider. You are a godly father. You are, I call him a good papa bear. You know, we may not have been perfect, but we, are, we have done the best that we can. And, you know, I remember early on, maybe it was like year eight or nine or ten, we went to a marriage conference, and they had the husbands and wives look at each other in the eye. They said, turn and look at your husband, look at your wife, and say to one another, my mate is not my enemy. A and everybody kind of laughed at first. But the whole thing is that we're raised in this world to be competitive with one another. I mean, even elementary school, right? It's the boys against the girls. And you come into marriage with this competitive spirit, like somehow I'm competing against my husband. And as we grew in the Lord, and as we attended these conferences and did marriage Bible studies and learned what it is to be a godly wife, what it is to be a godly husband, we started to develop a team mindset. So when a crisis comes, we are approaching this together, a unified force um, in that situation. So a team mindset would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is prayer. When we pray together as a couple, um, I believe that there is a great deal of power in prayer. When we are praying together in unity um, for a situation, I mean, we pray for our children probably every single day. We pray for our grandchildren. They're coming. I know it. They're coming in Jesus' name. We pray for... That we, was worse than me. <laughs> That's definitely getting retracted. That right. is definitely... All right, retracted. But no, I am speaking those things which are not as though they are because they are. We are going to have so many grandchildren. Cannot wait. And, we, and honestly, we pray for our grandchildren. We pray, that, Lord, they're going to live godly lives. They are going to serve you with their whole heart. Father, they're going to raise their children in that way. There's going to be a legacy of faith in our family. So praying when obstacles come, when situations that are unexpected arise, um, you know, just praying together. That's so awesome. I'm going to invite the band to come out as I just ask one more question. Um, 
If you could just give me like a one minute answer. I, I know <laughs> that wasn't pointed at all. I just, um, <laughs> in looking at your marriage, I think one of the things that sticks out so much to everyone is that you guys, you have so much joy. Um, it's so obvious that you just enjoy each other's company, that you're still like madly in love, that you're still pursuing each other. Um, and to me, I, I want to know what are some practical things that you do that, is it 34 years? 34 years later, things aren't growing stale. What, what are you doing? What things, what efforts have you made to still be passionately pursuing your spouse like you were 34 years ago? Well, I'm letting my wife catch me more often when she chases me. <laughs> Whoa. Hey. Your son's on stage, yeah. <laughs> and on. our daughters. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, truth be told, um, like I say, like um, to the young lawyers at my law firm, I have, a, I have a saying and I'm known for it, and it's contagious, and it's you gotta have fun. Like we gotta have fun in what we're doing. You know, we all have stress in this world, but we gotta make it fun, and we can. And if it applies to the workplace, it even more so applies to your homes. We gotta we got have fun, because you know what? Jesus said, you're gonna face trials. They're coming, you know, but be of great joy, for I have overcome the world. And, and really what he's saying, you can do it, and you can have fun, like, y y you know what I mean? And I remember when, um, when early on when we were married, um, it was at the time when, you know, Colleen's friends are getting married and stuff from college and stuff. And so, you know, we get, we go to the weddings and stuff like that. And I, I would see that Colleen's a great dancer. Like, she's a pretty awesome dancer. Everybody knows that. But, but in any event, I would see that she would go out there with her friends, with her girlfriends, um, sort of what still kind of happens now, but, and they're all in a circle and they're having, they were having a ball dancing. And all the guys were sitting around at the table, you know, insecure and not going out there. And I, I'll never forget seeing the joy on my wife's face. And she was fine with me not dancing because I didn't want to dance, didn't like to dance. I had said, I'm not a dancer. But then when I caught a glimpse of the joy that was on her face, you know, and, and you know, she would dance with her friends and then they'd be done and then she'd come and she'd sit and she'd be fine. But when I saw that joy, I said, I don't want to be that guy who my wife has to cut out something that she loves so much because she's married. So one day I just went out there. Now everybody knows I'm an outrageous dancer now. <laughs> but, but there was a day, believe it or not, that I wasn't. <laughs> but truth be told, I basically decided I can't dance at all and everybody is probably gonna laugh at me, but I decided I didn't care because when I went out there, there was one person that wasn't laughing at me. And we started to have a ball. 
And what we both learned is, you know what? We're not going to cut out what the other person really loves. We're going to just we're going to just be part of it. And you know what God does? God blesses that. He really does. And that's how joy joy comes. So good. Could you just uh, do me a favor and, and thank Scott and Colleen for uh, sharing everything? I want to just invite you, could you stand with us tonight as we close out service? And uh, thank you guys again so much. It was amazing just to hear uh, from you guys. And, uh, you know, it's not easy to come up here and to share stories and to be vulnerable and to be real. But um, I know when I, even hearing it again tonight, there are things that I know the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And uh, we're just so thankful for you guys doing that. If you're visiting with us again, this is not what we normally do uh, for service, but this series is, this is what we've been doing. Next week will be our last week of the series, so we encourage you to come out. But I'd love to do this. I'd love to just pray over you as we get ready to just close in a song real quick. And if you're here and you're in a relationship, if you're here, you're newly married, or maybe you're like the Schneiders, you've been married for a while, I just want to pray for your marriage. If you're here and you're not in a relationship yet, but your desire is to, I want to be married, I want to have a godly marriage, I want to just pray a prayer of encouragement for you. If you're here tonight, I just want to invite you to close your eyes. If you want to lift your hands, you can. Jesus, we just thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. God, we thank you, Lord, that you saw thousands of years ago when you created humanity, that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And we, we thank you for the gift of companionship. We thank you that you have created this institution of marriage. And God, we say tonight, we dedicate our marriages and our relationships to you. God, there's no way that they can be healthy. There's no way that they can be all that they were intended to be with you outside of it. So God, we invite you to be at the center of it. God, I pray, Lord, that everything we've talked about in this series, everything we spoke about tonight, that your Holy Spirit would remind us tomorrow morning when we wake up to strive to be that godly husband, to strive to be that godly wife. Jesus, we just pray for every person that's in the room who has this desire to want to be in a relationship, has this desire for a godly marriage. Lord, we thank you that you have created us, God, for companionship. Lord, we thank you that we have the ultimate example of what that looks like in the way that you love us, in the way that you've chosen us, in the way that you accept us. So God, I just pray for supernatural encouragement for every person in here who's been discouraged, every person who's maybe given up hope. God, we just speak hope and life in Jesus' name. God, we say that you are the delight of our lives, and we know that you're going to give us the desires of our heart. We love you tonight. We worship you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.